Welcome to the Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 17th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. Each week I share expert advice and inside knowledge on how today's events in our local economy can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at the Money com And my lineup for the show today, Kim Frazier with John L. Scott. Some like it hot. Today's hot real estate market will be a great conversation. Also in studio, I have a de- Dennis Yamasaki with Affirmative Financial Services, Business Succession Planning Using Life and Disability Insurance. And last guest in studio, Dr. Cabron Chapnik with Amen Clinic, Clinic Northwest, investing in brain health and how it can improve your health of your finances. Great information and great guest in studio. For more information on any topics discussed, please call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyr.com. And let's start out the show, as always, with a little money chat. Money. Money. CNBC Diane Olick put out a report that said home price declined ever so slightly from 7.1% to 6.9% on a year-over-year basis. Obviously, this number is volatile, but the forecast from CoreLogic over the next year actually improved from 4.9% to 5.1%. So this is the truth behind the housing market. In housing news, the June National Association Home Builders Housing Market Index, which measures builders' confidence, dropped two points from 69 to 60. This was three points lower than expectations. Last month's number was also revised lower from 70 to 69. And looking at the internals of report, current sales conditions dropped two points to 73. Sales expectation dropped two points from 76, and buyer traffic fell two points to 49. Although this was a slight drop from last month, it is still a solid number. Anything above 50 is considered positive. Granger McDonald, the National Association Home Builders Chairman, said that builders' confidence levels have remained consistently sound this year, reflecting the ongoing gradual recovery of the housing market. Wednesday, the Fed hike and Fed funds rate raised by a quarter percent as we expected, but they also gave some clarity to their plan to reduce their balance sheet. The Fed is going to allow $4 billion per month in mortgage bonds and $6 billion of treasuries to roll over off their balance sheet each month, which, which in increments of the same amount each quarter until reaching 20 to $30 billion respectively. The Fed's said that they would still like to hike one more time this year, but it's depending on the data, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. They also said that they want to start reducing their balance sheet this year, but did not specify if it would be in September or the December Fed meeting. Overall, this was a gentle way for the Fed to unwind its balance sheet, and the market seems to be taking it in stride. Initial job claims for the week ended 610 was released. Initial job claims, which measures individual filing for unemployment benefits for the first time, 
were reported at 237,000 for last week. This represents a drop of 8,000 from the previous report, which was unrevised at 254,000. The wholesale inflation for the producer price index PPI was released. The headline PPI figure was unchanged and was lower than expectations of 0.1%. On a year-over-year basis, PPI moved slightly lower from 2.5 to 2.4, and the core PPI, which stripes out food and energy prices, was hotter than expectations and increased from 1.9 to 2.1 on a year-over-year basis, which is the highest level in five years. Even though the producer inflation does not always translate to the consumer, the trajectory of increase was noteworthy. The Consumer Price Index CPI, which measures inflation on the consumer level, was released. Headline CPI decreased by 0.1% and moved down from 2.2 to 1.9% on a year-over-year basis. The core CPI rate, which stripes out food and energy prices, rose by 0.1% on a month-over-month basis, and the year-over-year rate also dropped from 1.9 to 1.7. Overall, inflation did moderate in this most recent report, unlike the producer price index report. Within the report, energy prices fell sharply to reflect the lower oil prices, gas prices dropped 6.4%, and medical care prices slowed to a 2.7 year-over-year increase, and rents rose by nearly 4% year-over-year. Retail sales may drop by 0.3%, which was weaker than the 0.1% gain expected, and the control group, which stripes out auto gas and building materials, was unchanged, which was also higher than the 0.3 gains expected. Core retail sales are up 2.9% year-over-year, which is back below the five-year average of 3.3. A little bit of data share with you today in the Money Chat. And coming up next on the Money Hour, some like it hot. Today's hot real estate market. I have Kim Frazier with John L. Scott right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you tired of wasting your hard-earned dollars on rent to pay off someone else's home and at the same time losing out on the tax benefits in the process? Kim Frazier with John L. Scott has assisted over 800 individuals and families just like yours in obtaining the dream of home ownership. Kim has been practicing real estate since 2002 and is recognized in the top 1% of all real estate brokers. Kim is well-equipped to assist you whether you are a first-time buyer or a move-up buyer looking to achieve your real estate goals. Hi, I'm Kim Frazier, and I would love to assist you with your real estate needs. Please feel free to call me at 425-209-5638, or you can find me online at KimberlyFrazier.com. How did you feel when your retirement funds shrunk during the 2008 recession and the dot-com recession? Are you concerned that you won't have enough money for retirement? How about funding your long-term care needs? When the next recession comes, will you be satisfied with your current investment strategies? Dennis Yamasaki from Affirmative Financial Services helps friendly people realize a better lifestyle in their retirement. By offering a recession-proofing program that has offensive strategies, providing competitive growth during market upswings, and defensive strategies that provide downside protection in market downswings, you'll have steadier gains, less stress, and more security during your retirement. Future returns cannot be promised, and there is always a risk to lose money in bond and stock market instruments. To learn more, call Dennis today at Affirmative Financial Services, 206-817-5239. Hi, this is Dennis Yamasaki from Affirmative Financial Services. If you'd like to contact me about recession-proofing your retirement funds, please give me a call at 206-817-5239. 
You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 17th show. I've built a network of elite industry professionals, each week sharing their knowledge and expertise to my listeners. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can call the show at 1-855-411-50 to connect with the guests I have in studio today, or you can go online to themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, Kim Frazier with John L. Scott, some like it hot today's hot real estate market is the conversation i'm having with kim kim thank you so much for coming back in studio thank you for having me and a little bit about Kim. Kim Frazier is local realtor who works at John L. Scott in downtown Bellevue. Kim has just celebrated her 15th year with John L. Scott and is in the top 1% of all brokers within John L. Scott. She has sold over 900 homes in her career and loves helping people with their real estate needs. She has also earned credentials as a credited staging professional as well as certified luxury home marketing specialist. And I know it's a, it is a hot topic with the hot real estate market that that we're having and it's just it's crazy out there um, so let's start out with kind of I'd like to uh, hear what's going on in different areas and how it compares with where we're at so how does Seattle and Eastside market stack up with the national level in regards to sales activity well it was interesting when I was hearing your statistics on a national mm-hmm. perspective um, with core logic versus the local market here I think because of our job our strong job sector and job market mm-hmm. in the east side in the Seattle market um, our numbers are much much higher as as far as um, growth and appreciation, we've been averaging between conservatively on the east side in Seattle 10 to 12 percent um, annual, appreci- annual appreciation year over year from last year to this year. Um, and so, and I don't see that trend unfortunately yes. slowing down anytime soon. So, how about the Seattle east side market stacked up to the national level in regards to price? A lot of people are like this. You know, it's just yeah. impossible price-wise to get into a home. Pretty much, um, I would say probably national average price is probably two fifty, two seventy-five uh-huh. on a national average. Seattle and East Side median price is probably between seven and eight hundred for Which a median price. Which seems expensive, home. but mm-hmm. you know, we've all heard you hear we're the next Bay Area, and yeah. you look at the Bay Area comparison to where we're at here. And I heard someone say that it was we're like ten years behind where the Bay Area is at. I read something about that, and that's just crazy if you really look at perspective of where, just like you mentioned with them employment and mm-hmm. what's happening with that here in our, our local market. Yeah, I don't see any end in sight anytime yes. soon. Yeah, it's crazy. So what about the average sales price nationally versus Seattle and Eastside? I would say our it's easily double, if not triple, the yeah. national average. Uh, Seattle, um, the last six to 12 months, has been the hottest um, housing market in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the largest shortage of inventory of all homes in the country as well, yeah. which creates that bidding war that we're seeing that we'll talk about a little bit later here in the segment. Um, and so it's just prices are strong, inventory is mm-hmm. low, job market's hot, unemployment numbers are low here. Yeah. Um, anybody who doesn't want to have an hour to commute and be close to the job centers, unfortunately, that just drives the price up in addition to the international buyers that are still buying in our marketplace that are also driving the prices up. Yeah. So what about the Pierce and Snohomish counties? Still strong. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I would say probably 25 to 30 percent less expensive than what we're going to see in Seattle on the east side. Um, You know, Bothell, um, different parts of Bothell, Linwood, you know, with the better schools, um, Edmonds School District or North Shore are going to command a little bit higher price and be those in like the Everett 
school district, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the ones that have higher test scores are going to, you know, price out a little bit higher. Um, South End, I mean, even in the Puyallup, Auburn, Bonnie Lake, Lake Taps, Federal, Federal Way, Auburn, you're seeing multiple offers, shortage of yeah. inventory on those. Um, price is easily 5 to 10% above list price, both in Pierce and Snohomish County, and up to 20, 25% at times above list price in yeah. Seattle and the East Side. It's crazy. So, and talking about Bothell, because they've had a lot of amazing stuff going there. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen with the Bothell market, like, let's say, in the next few years? I think it's going to stay strong as long as, you know, they can keep building. Yes. You know, you have only so much land available, so yep. it'll just continue to push farther north mm-hmm. and pr- push farther south as the land avails itself. Um, people can't, a lot of people can't afford to live in yeah. the east side or Bellevue, Kirkland, Redmond, um, and they work in Seattle or east side, and so they'll make that gradual pr- progression up north. Mm-hmm. Um, but also down south, like in the yeah. Pierce County market, I just read an article in the News Tribune last week that the Spanaway South Hill Fredrickson area, they're looking in the next 13 years, by 2030, they're going to have 60,000 more people living on South Hill of Puyallup, which Unbelievable. is going to be a traffic nightmare. Yeah, geez. So how does the Seattle East Side compare to the national level in regards to inventory? You know, I know you mentioned mm-hmm. about our, our, that I didn't realize that we were the, actually the lowest as far as what our inventory is. Yeah. We have a huge inventory shortage. Um, it's the last couple months we've seen a better uptick of inventory. Mm-hmm. Um Currently, I have about 20 properties pending right now, about half of them listings, half of them buyers, uh-huh. um, which is good. Um, first quarter was tough. There was just nothing to sell people. Yeah. And so um, supply and demand, definitely a lot more buyers. Rates are still low. Mm-hmm. A lot more buyers in the marketplace um, than there are houses to sell. The next next couple months should be pretty strong. Typically, things ta- you know start to slow down August when school gets started. Sure. You're going to see that end of summer to you know fall, winter slow down a little bit before they ramp up again, most likely at the beginning of the year. And then the rental market is also mm-hmm. having a huge play on that. Yes. You know, rental markets 10 to 15% year over year you know, growth, and that's not going to slow down anytime soon. So people looking yeah. for a great investment, you know, buying an investment property that you mm-hmm. can hold on to, whether it's multifamily, inexpensive single family sure. home, not only for that growth, but that um, residual income coming in on a monthly basis as well. Yeah, and a whole other thing, a uh, conversation on, on the rental market. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how all that stuff plays out um, with the rentals and landlord laws and all of that. Absolutely. Um, so with your buyers, I want to step back a second because you'd mentioned right now you have pending and you've got mm-hmm. 20 sellers, you got 20 or you got 10, buy, 10, 10 buyers, 10 sellers. And your buyers, what is your average buyer doing? Are they cash buyers or are they getting uh, mortgages? Most of them are getting mortgages. There's a couple of cash buyers in that mm-hmm. pool, but most of them are obtaining mortgages. Uh-huh. Um, I have some FHA buyers, you know, 3.5% down, some conventional at 5% down, your typical 20% down, you know, conventional buyer, and then there's a handful of cash buyers. A um, couple of them international, and then uh-huh. a couple of them just, you know, retiring, downsizing, selling their family home, and then paying yep. cash for the next one. So let's talk about the FHA and the 5% mm-hmm. down payment buyers, because it's really challenging for buyers when, when it says on that pre-approval letter, less than 20% down, mm-hmm. it just... It's a whole different um, uh, review process mm-hmm. of whether they're going to stack up to the other offer. So how are you helping your buyers, those buyers, especially that are lower down payment, win? Yeah, well, and that's it's 
tough. You're not always going to win. Yes. You know, you're not always going to win those battles. So I think it's having a, a good realtor on your side who's going to be really upfront and honest with you. Mm-hmm. You probably aren't going to compete for those brand new houses that are first weekend on market that are going to review yeah. offers in three days. Um, you almost have to go over the ones that have been cherry picked a little bit or the okay. reason they didn't make it past. Maybe they were slightly overpriced that first you know week on the market and didn't mm-hmm. sell. So you're waiting for that next week for them to come back around and you're okay. still paying a stronger price. You know, short inspection contingencies if you don't waive them all together. Yep. Being fully underwritten. I know you and I have talked several sure. times yep. about, you know, having a full underwriting process, mm-hmm. which makes you much more competitive, similar to a cash offer, yes. you know, only then needing to find your house, order the appraisal, plug that in the system and go to closing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to put them in the most competitive position. Um, but you're probably not going to get those houses that are first weekend on the market because yeah. you are most likely bidding up that they're doing an offer review period for a reason, and that is to collect offers yes. to take the most favorable and strongest offers that'll benefit mm-hmm. them. So with that being said, you just have to do a good job being really honest. They get discouraged, yes. um, but you have to explain that process and be really honest with them up front. Um, they can write two, three, five, ten offers sometimes yeah. before they get it. Um, the only other alternative is, you know, trying to pay rent and save up, you know, 20% down, which yeah. is almost impossible. Exactly. So you kind of just and have to jump the into the market. And the interest rates. Yeah, and yeah. interest rates rising, it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a double-edged sword. So with those guys, too, once, and the other thing, too, even if you escalate, because sometimes the buyers will be like, well, I'll offer 10% more. Yes. Well, with a three <clears> or three to 5% down, you're not going to, you may run into appraisal issues. Yes. Very typically. And so there, no seller is going Going to take an offer that's inflated 10% when mm-hmm. you're only putting 3% down, not having very much skin in the game, to take the risk of it appraising low. Most likely, they don't have the different the additional money to make up the difference sure. in the appraisal from list price to appraised price, or else they'd be putting it down in their down payment to begin with. Yeah, makes sense. So um, that makes it a little bit challenging. So sometimes we have to shop the stuff that's already been picked over. Was yeah, so really looking at the market with. and and like you said, that they're educated and understand mm-hmm. what they're what they're dealing with, and they've got to stick with it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and look for those uh, uh, right houses out there. So how many months uh, supply locally versus nationally, Pearson's to Homish County? Oh, gosh, we're under one month supply in the east side and probably under a two-month supply in mm-hmm. Snohomish and Pierce County currently. So basically, for the listeners, what that means is if nobody else lists their house, the houses are going to be literally, there would be no other houses mm-hmm. to sell. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably crazy. even less than two weeks, I would imagine, the Seattle east side right now. Yeah. Wow. So, Kim, uh, how does our Seattle east side current job market drive the market? And do you anticipate that with this uh, the leveling um, off anytime soon? And will it stay strong? in the foreseeable future. What's your forecast? I do think it's going to stay strong. You know, we've got a lot of growth with Amazon, you know, Microsoft, Google, eBay, Boeing, Costco. I mean, there's just so much growth in our job sector, and Mm -hmm. it does not appear to be slowing down. A lot of new businesses moving to downtown Bellevue, downtown Mm -hmm. Seattle, and it doesn't, I mean, the forecast looks great economically for our region. Therefore, that's bringing in an influx of both not only, you know, um, buyers throughout the country with job Mm -hmm. people moving for jobs here from California in other parts of the country. You also have the influx from China and India kind of in our tech sectors as well yeah. that are that are, you know, adding to that as well. So the job market, I think, is going to stay strong. Yep. Therefore, that kind of drives our housing market and prices. And a lot of those tech jobs um, really have high expectations for their kids' education mm-hmm. and their um, the schools that they attend, which really makes it a big draw for the east side because the east side schools are, are much stronger than most in the state. What are you seeing with the foreign buyers? Are you seeing that they're that that's slowing down a little bit? 
Maybe a little. Um, mm-hmm. you, we, it's, uh, last year, I mean, it was responsible for at least 25% yeah. so of what do you all think of our the, sales, especially in Bellevue. Yes, yeah. So what do you think the reason that that, that we have seen a little bit of a... A slowdown. You know, I know I haven't really. I've been so busy. I haven't put a ton of thought to it. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm so busy That's working on answer. everything else. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. Sometimes it can start to see a little price. You know, price prohibitive. You know, I, I sold one. I think I told you um, in an earlier show, a million nine fifty in Lakemont, and uh-huh. it's been vacant since September. So, and they live in um, China. Yeah. And so they just recently called me to see if I wanted to help them put it on the market just as a rental, just because mm-hmm. they haven't been back as often as they would like to. But literally for nine months, it's been sitting in a $2 yeah. million dollar rental in Lake Yeah. Well, and I know there's a lot of them that do that. They mm-hmm. don't. And what their attorneys are telling them is that the lawsuits of having somebody in the property mm-hmm. is a bigger risk than yeah. actually just leaving the home vacant. That's and, craziness to I me. I know. But sitting there with the appreciation <laughs> of the taxes and everything else. Or, you know, exactly. whatever that is. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, the advantages of sellers and, you know, selling right now in this hot mm-hmm. market and how are you really helping your sellers maximize that bottom line profit to them? Absolutely. So I just had a gentleman in Redmond. I listed his house a couple days ago. Um, we listed it for 525 and we knew we'd probably get about six, 575, 600 for it. It was an older house. He'd been there 40 years, original owner, mm-hmm. um, 1500 square feet, nothing fancy, everything original inside. We ended up selling it for 690,000. We listed it for 525, 165,000 over the list price. We had eight offers, uh, several cash offers, um, we didn't end up taking the highest offer at 690. We did take 660 cash offer mm-hmm. with 100,000 non-refundable earnest money released to my seller immediately. That's crazy. It's insane on a $525,000 starting list price. Wow. So it's it's the cautious balance of not overpricing the house. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks because the market is so quote unquote yep. hot yeah. that they can really extend to the outer limit of what their house mm-hmm. may be worth and still get multiple offers. Yeah. So I try to educate my sellers to keep that, you know, three to 5% cushion off of maybe what the max would be. Yeah. Let the market drive your price versus going out too high. Yes. And then you're in the risk of not getting the offers and then having to come down and then you've lost your momentum. Yeah. So there's and a it, balance. It, it is regardless of what market it is. It's all about that price. Mm-hmm. You know, high market, buyer's market, seller's market. Absolutely. Uh, doesn't matter. So to wrap up our time here, we talked a little bit about your buyers, mm-hmm. but what are you doing personally yourself? Because you've got such a, um, a great way to get out there and really represent your buyers and yourself. But for my buyers that are listening and they're really um, challenged, Mm -hmm. having challenges with this market, what are you doing to help them win right now in this hot market? Absolutely. I would first put them in touch with a great mortgage broker like yourself. Thank you. So you're welcome. So because you need to get pre-qualified. You need a great lender. Um, You're only as good. That paper is not any good if you don't have a great lender behind backing you. So I would get um, pre-qualified. I would not just get pre-qualified. I would be pre-approved, fully underwritten. underwritten. Yeah, full underwriting. That's the first step. You need to really be rock solid there. Um, have your systems in place. Make sure your earnest money is in mm-hmm. position that you can close quickly. Um, have a great inspector in your back pocket if you decide to do an inspection. Uh-huh. Um, a quick closing. Um, just try to make it as bump-free as possible. And if you have yeah. the opportunity, just really educate yourself to the market, um, the prices, what things are listing for to sell in selling for so you're realistic of what you're walking into. Yeah, great advice. So if you're listening out there and you're thinking of getting in the market a little bit scared because all the crazy hot stuff going on out there, I've got a great real estate representative, professional right here in studio. Uh, so give the show a call, one 855 And Kim, thank you so much for coming in studio. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. Coming up next on the Money Hour, business succession planning using life and disability insurance. I have Dennis Yamasaki with Affirmative Financial Services right here at 1150 AM, KKNW after the short break. 
Are you tired of wasting your hard-earned dollars on rent to pay off someone else's home and at the same time losing out on the tax benefits in the process? Kim Frazier with John L. Scott has assisted over 800 individuals and families just like yours in obtaining the dream of home ownership. Kim has been practicing real estate since 2002 and is recognized in the top 1% of all real estate brokers. Kim is well-equipped to assist you whether you are a first-time buyer or a move-up buyer looking to achieve your real estate goals. Hi, I'm Kim Frazier and I would love to assist you with your real estate needs. Please feel free to call me at 425-209-5638 or you can find me online at KimberlyFrazier.com. How did you feel when your retirement funds shrunk during the 2008 recession and the dot-com recession? Are you concerned that you won't have enough money for retirement? How about funding your long-term care needs? When the next recession comes, will you be satisfied with your current investment strategies? Dennis Yamasaki from Affirmative Financial Services helps friendly people realize a better lifestyle in their retirement. By offering a recession-proofing program that has offensive strategies, providing competitive growth during market upswings, and defensive strategies that provide downside protection in market downswings, you'll have steadier gains, less stress, and more security during your retirement. Future returns cannot be promised, and there is always a risk to lose money in bond and stock market instruments. To learn more, call Dennis today at Affirmative Financial Services, 206-817-5239. Hi, this is Dennis Yamasaki from Affirmative Financial Services. If you'd like to contact me about recession-proofing your retirement funds, please give me a call at 206-817-5239. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 17th show. I've built a network of industry professionals every week sharing their knowledge and expertise with my listener. Right now in studio, I have Dennis Yamasaki with Affirmative Financial Services, and we're going to be have a conversation about business succession planning using life and disability insurance. Dennis, thank you for joining me back in studio. Thank you very much for inviting me. And Dennis graduated from the University of Washington Business School focused on information systems and finance. He is licensed for a life, disability health, long-term care Medicare and has a Series 65 license as an independent advisor. Dennis is a well-respected financial strategist. He takes pride in continually searching for out-of-the-box solutions that will better serve his clients' needs. His strategy and wealth building have historically prevented or maximized the tremendous losses during the Great Recession of 2008 and the dot-com recession for the late 2000 through 2002. The power of not losing money is often more powerful than only focusing on the investments and gains. Dennis started his career as a financial strategist in 2008, where he learned many great strategies to recession-proof people's retirement nest. And it's a great conversation, uh, you know, really focused on uh, businesses and and planning for that and how they can use life and disability insurance. And I want to do a little summary here that you uh, gave me, Dennis, that all businesses need a secession plan or buy-sell agreement for their businesses, whether you plan to work until you pass away or if you plan to sell your business, you still need a secession plan. When you plan by default, which is no planning, the worst outcome is guaranteed. Even the IRS will take full advantage of planning by default and part of the success 
succession plan is to use of life insurance and disability insurance. A full succession plan needs to be done with an expertise of an attorney, insurance agent, broker, financial planner, business broker, tax expert, and perhaps other professional consultants. So I'm bringing in expertise of the insurance broker and financial planner to the show today and a team of professionals that will introduce everything that is needed. So Dennis, from an insurance broker uh, pilot of view, from an insurance broker point of view, what is the most critical issue of business succession planning? Well, death. Once a business owner or a key executive passes away, the value of the business immediately declines. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of this is because of client uncertainty, and a lot of this is actually because the business owner has a lot of great relationships and a lot of great expertise, and that's going to be lost. So replacing the expertise will take a lot of time and resources, and the revenues will likely decline because of the uncertainty. And so they, they need the time to go ahead and replace this person. So life insurance will provide the necessary cash for the company to weather the storm. And so here's a kind of a scenario. If you're a business partner mm-hmm. and your partner actually passes away prematurely, then the, the partner's spouse and perhaps children will inherit that portion of the business. Mm-hmm. And so are you prepared to have the, the spouse or the children be your partner. Sure. And will they have the expertise and the personality to be able Most to handle the business? Most likely not. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. So a uh, very challenging situation. So having the um, funds to buy out the surviving spouse and providing this uh, succession plan contract will help get the company through this tough time. So Dennis, can you share any other examples of the purpose of the life insurance and how that can provide uh, resolve? Absolutely. So first, life insurance can provide cash liquidity for the business to temporarily survive while finding a new, new executive and replacing the deceased person. You know, how great would it be to, uh, for the company uh, if their revenues temporarily decline, but they still have the financial security of the influx of cash from life insurance policy to sustain the business. And so that security will buy them time to replace the deceased and rebuild their revenue and income. So, Dennis, if, if one of the business owners prematurely passes, wouldn't you see that a lot of the employees make the decision to leave the company? Yes. Uh, you know, the employee's future will become uncertain. Mm-hmm. And they potentially will seek out new employment and maybe even find uh, employment with a competitor. So that would be pretty disastrous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Dennis, are there other benefits of using life insurance for a business owner? Actually, I want to stay on this topic one more, one more time okay. because uh, there's a concept of the stay bonus. And the stay bonus will be uh, providing a life insurance policy for the key employee if they're, you know, the owner passes away. And so that provides them incentive to stay. And so the company will pay for the life insurance policy for a period, maybe 10 years. So another benefit of making sure that they have that so their employees actually do stay exactly. instead of leaving to the competitors. Right yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So what about other benefits that it provides for the business owner? Okay, so... Um, we're looking at newer life insurance policies. They actually have living benefits now. So part of the death benefit can be used for long-term care, which is really incredible. And so this will help you, you know, with the business owner with providing um, assets for their um, long-term care expenses, right? Mm-hmm. They won't have to liquidate their other assets to provide or even maybe even qualify for Medicaid, which is kind of not the place where business owners want to go. And so... 
you know, if you're having to liquidate your 401k money to pay for your long-term care, that's really not a great way to go either. So the, yeah. the life insurance can help there. It's really awesome. Uh, coupling life insurance in a elder care trust is really powerful because you can use the protection care services through their serious illness and provide for the care of the surviving spouse also. So an example is um, while you're healthy, you can actually decide what you want to do for your long-term care and what you don't want to do mm-hmm. and have those decisions protected and funded through the trust. And so that, and one other benefit is that you can also use this trust to help prevent other people from taking advantage of you as you get older. Yeah, got mm-hmm. it. So we talked about the beneficiaries and ones that may not be the most likely to want to have that responsibility for. So what about that? Yes. So you can use this trust also to provide specific controls to divide up assets equitably mm-hmm. amongst all the children and perhaps with the rules because maybe you have that child that's wild and crazy and they would take the inheritance and buy a crazy wild and you know, fast sports car with, uh-huh. with all the money. And so you might set up rules so that they can have a monthly payment or a yearly payment. Got it. Or you can even make it a little bit more strict and say that maybe they have to quit their alcohol or drugs if they use them and things like that. So okay. very powerful. Yeah. And what about that one child that really does have the interest to come in and take over the business? How does that How does that play in? Yeah, so if you have uh, maybe three kids and only one child is really interested in taking over the business, mm-hmm. then you can use the life insurance to, to provide proceeds to the other children to balance out the uh, assets. Yeah. And likely all the assets will for the family is tied up in the business. And so if that one child gets everything, then that's going to create a problem for the other children, right? Yes. So. so it's a really great resource to put the plan together exactly what you want to happen. It protects the other partners to know if for some reason one of them passes, um, that they're protected, and exactly. everything is just really laid out and covered in that life policy, That's life right. insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does disability of the business owner or partner impact the company? Yeah, so people typically have a, about, a, according to industry stats, there's an 80% probability that someone be, will become long-term disabled mm-hmm. during their working career. And so when you become disabled, the company will actually feel responsible to pay your salary, right? Sure, of course. They don't course. want to leave you out in the, in the of cold. Course. And you you need to find a replacement or a temporary replacement. Mm-hmm. And so when you find that person, you will be paying their salary and yep. you'll be paying the owner's salary. And so wouldn't it be now great doubled, to have that? doubled up on salary. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't it be great to have that disability insurance policy to at least pay a good Makes portion sense. of the owner's problem? Yeah. So what if the company has outstanding business loans? How can a policy like this help? Yeah, that's a great question because, um, you know, you have obligations to your debtors, and you can use some of the proceeds from the disability policy to actually pay for the uh, debt payments, uh-huh. and that can be a pretty awesome thing for the company, too. Yeah. So everybody likes stories, my listeners especially. So any stories that you have that you can share on uh, with disability insurance? Yeah. You know, I have a, a real good fishing buddy who had the insight to purchase a disability policy when he was young. He's a dentist, and uh, unfortunately, he found that his vertigo condition prevented him from bending over to actually work on his patients. And so he was able to collect his disability policy, and his policy was kind of cool because it was based on his particular industry as being a dentist. Yeah. And so now he's working in another profession as a consultant, making money, right? But Mm -hmm. he's still collecting his disability policy uh, payments. Yeah. So So you're doubling up on your income. Yeah. 
So you can really put the put the strategy in there to make sure that you're really covered. Right. And that's really exactly. what it's all about. I mean, if you're um, if you got something that with the use of your hands and something was going to happen, but you're you're finding other you know areas, so it makes makes total sense. Um, what do you find with your companies that you work with, Dennis? Because I know that you represent a lot of companies and really helping them strategize based on what's uh, best to suit what they need. And really, that's right. what any insurance is about. Anything else that we do with our finances and why the show, what the show is all about, is really on an individual basis. There's a lot of planning and each is going to be unique to their situation. So when you're meeting with those business uh, professionals, how many you're finding that really, you know, don't have something like this in place and, um, you know, that you're able to come in and fill this gap for them? Uh, in reality, uh, almost no one really has a full succession plan. Yeah, that's and scary. And it's really quite scary. It's quite amazing. And uh, it takes an education process to get them to well, the I was Well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. If you educate them on exactly what we're talking about, you would imagine that a high percentage would, you know, would see the benefit of how this can really protect their company. Right. And protect them if something happens. Right. And yeah. it, it takes a lot of work to do because this. it's just so like in life. You know, <laughs> it, it takes a lot of momentum to get them there. And it takes a lot of momentum for them to talk to the attorney and... Yes. Talk to the other professionals, business valuation uh, experts. Yeah. So if you're called to action and you're a business owner, uh, you know, definitely give the show a call. Uh, make sure that you have your your resources, resources, your expert, your experts in line that can really um, help you navigate through that process and find the best plan to protect you, protect the partners, your employees, and everything about that business because you work really hard to get it together. You want to make sure that you keep it safe. Most definitely. So, uh, Dennis, uh, when you sell a business, what about capital gain taxes? Yes. Yeah, so um, capital gains taxes. Um, you know, when you sell the business, you, you ha- have to pay uh, the, the taxes, and you have to pay the taxes also on any assets. And so, proceeds from uh, cash value life insurance can actually be taken out tax-free from the policy and used to to pay those kind of taxes, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. And you know, if you're still making a lot of money, you can pay that money back into the life insurance policy if you want to. However, um, you know, you can just take the loan off the policy and, and pay the taxes. Uh-huh. And any remaining amount that you have that's uh, in the policy for your cash value, you can use for an income stream, uh, a tax-free retirement income stream. Well, I was really just going to awesome. say, what about tax-free? I mean, I know yeah. there's a lot of protection in um, uh, taxes yeah. with these policies. And an awesome read for people to take a look at is Patrick Kelly's book, Tax-Free Retirement. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Dennis, as we're wrapping uh, wrapping the show up here, what would be your uh, uh, your final words of wisdom to any of my business owners out there, or well, any individual? Yeah. So, uh, I, I presume that people can see that life insurance and disability insurance is very powerful, and it can provide an awesome instrument for them to provide so many benefits for the company and provide this financial security that they need in their succession plan. And so I would recommend that they take the time to build their succession plan today, not wait, because if you plan by default, then, you know, the worst things are really going to happen. Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate you coming in, and it's uh, great to have a conversation specifically for uh, those business owners and how to, you know, to protect their uh, their company. Yes. Thank you very much, Tina. And coming up next on the Money Hour, how can you improve the health of your finances? Dr. Kavrin Chapnick with Amon Clinic Northwest Investing in Brain Health right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. How did you feel when your retirement funds shrunk during the 2008 recession and the dot-com recession? Are you concerned that you won't have enough money for retirement? 
How about funding your long-term care needs? When the next recession comes, will you be satisfied with your current investment strategies? Dennis Yamasaki from Affirmative Financial Services helps friendly people realize a better lifestyle in their retirement. By offering a recession-proofing program that has offensive strategies, providing competitive growth during market upswings, and defensive strategies that provide downside protection in market downswings, you'll have steadier gains, less stress, and more security during your retirement. Future returns cannot be promised, and there is always a risk to lose money in bond and stock market instruments. To learn more, call Dennis today at Affirmative Financial Services, 206-817-5239. Hi, this is Dennis Yamasaki from Affirmative Financial Services. If you'd like to contact me about recession-proofing your retirement funds, please give me a call at 206-817-5239. Isn't it time to get the right answers? Whether you or a loved one struggle with ADD, attention, depression, mood problems, autism, addictions, weight, memory loss and dementia, learning or behavioral problems, we can help. We at the Amen Clinics specialize in powerful brain imaging called SPECT that when combined with detailed clinical histories, cognitive testing, and often lab work paints a clear picture of your brain. Additionally, we are committed to using the least toxic, most effective means at our disposal. We call this the Amen Clinics Method. The Amen Clinics Method allows us to look at your brain patterns and treat conditions based on your specific brain type. What we've discovered from our over 115,000 brain scans is that imaging changes everything. There's not just one type of depression, ADD, or addiction. They all have multiple types. The imaging, in the context of all we do, allows us to target treatment specifically to your brain. This is Dr. Cabron Chapik at the Amen Clinics Northwest in Bellevue, Washington, and we want to help you find the right answers. Visit amenclinics.com or call 855-400-9136 to learn more and speak with the patient care coordinator today. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 17th show. I'm here to empower our community, providing you with opportunities and solutions when it comes to your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com to discuss anything regarding money uh, with the guests I have in studio today or anything that you want to chat uh, with your host, myself, about. And in studio right now, having a conversation with Dr. Cabron Chapik with Amen Clinic Northwest. How can investing in brain health improve the health of your finances? Dr. Chapik, thank you so much for uh, joining me back in studio. It's always a different spin. The show is called The Money Hour. It's all about money and how to make more money, save more money, have a better quality of life for my listeners as well as extending to their family. And so it's just an interesting topic and a spin bringing in. I really appreciate you uh, joining me in studio. Thanks for having me, Tina. And a little bit about Dr. Chapik, a licensed naturopathic 
physician, studied human biology at the University of Kansas, followed by naturopathic medicine at Bastyr University in Kenmore, Washington. With an interest in the mental health care field, he received his clinical psychiatric experience from 2007 to 2013 while treating patients with severe mental illness in the partial hospital program as part of the multidisciplinary team. So Dr. Chapter, I want to just start out and share with my listeners, how does work at the Amen Clinic working with uh, patients with different mental health and neurologic conditions relate to finances and investments? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to be here because, you know, brains run the world. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking about finances, it really comes down to the decisions that you make in the moment. And so you have to have all your mental faculties firing on all cylinders be, be able to make a good decision, mm-hmm. right? And so um, if your brain isn't working well, you're going to have a harder time making good decisions in the moment when you when it really counts, when it really matters. And that makes it makes total sense when you think about it. It's, you know, everything that we do can be attached to the health of our brain and obviously things that take such um, brain thought mm-hmm. in, such as financings could make a big impact. So let's talk about which part of the brain are, is involved in financial decision making. Yeah. So the frontal lobe right behind your forehead okay. is the part involved in, in decision-making, focus, concentration, which we need. You're reading through contracts. You're trying to put all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And then your temporal lobes, which are right behind your temples, are your memory centers involved in remembering all those facts and information that you've been reading about and thinking about. You have to pull up to make a good decision. So it all really use your whole brain in, in summary. And then there's parts of your brain that can get in the way of decision-making. So they're part of the brain, kind of the old brain, the reptilian brain that's associated with survival, uh-huh. the limbic system. And if it's fired up, if you're fearful and anxious, uh, it's hard to make good decisions or you make decisions based on fear, which is not always good in finances because you want to be able to um, sometimes take risks. And if you're very fearful, you're not going to be able to take risks. Um, you need to take those opportunities when they're uh, in front of you. So reducing fear helps make good decisions. Makes it makes total sense. And I, you know, I talk a lot about uh, the adrenaline as well and understanding the adrenaline that we have and using it to your benefit versus mm. allowing it to take you down. And I would imagine, you know, it could be the same yes. thing. So Dr. Cheptek, when it's uh, talk about um, common brain problems, you know, with your uh, top executives that you work with, I have a lot of uh, business owners that listen to the show. And so what are those common brain problems that, that you're seeing? You know, I'll say one in four top executives or managers have some kind of mood disorder, depression, anxiety, or learning disorder like ADD or dyslexia. It's Uh really, really common. Some use it to their advantage, like Richard Branson of Virgin America has dyslexia. Uh, Peter Knight from Check Free has ADD. And and they were, you know, Richard Knight, he said, I'm I'm either going to uh, start my own company or I won't be able to do anything. I know I can't work for someone else because these folks, um, if you have ADD, your frontal lobe is, is more open. Uh-huh. 
not able to focus. You can kind of imagine someone in a whirlwind with papers flying, but they've got these brilliant ideas and they're creative problem solvers. And they always have a really good type A executive that keeps them online, keeps mm-hmm. them in track and organized. And so they've figured out ways to, to make it work. But many others have a lot of difficulty with depression and anxiety. And a lot of folks in the workforce have these issues and really need help, but yes. may not may not realize it. And I want to go back to what you first said, because another thing um, I always talk about is embracing your strengths and hiring out your weaknesses. So if you've got a challenge um, uh, with your health and things that are there, finding out the the best qualities that you have and being able to shine and just with the people that you mentioned, look what they've been able Mm -hmm. to accomplish, even though they have some challenges in those areas. Exactly. So with the growing number of people with Alzheimer's, um, isn't it better to just wait until you can't remember your own name and um, so you don't have to live in fear? This is a hot topic and yes. I'm really excited to talk with you about it. Um, since we, I was on last year, um, there's been a lot of development and we've figured out a lot about Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we just think about financial, um, you know, you know, right now, there's 5.3 million Americans with Alzheimer's disease. By 2050, that number is going to triple. It's going to bankrupt Medicare, first of all. Um, It's the third leading leading cause of death behind um, heart disease and cancer now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's it's growing, and currently there's no treatment. There's even no way to prevent it, according to the current conventional uh, literature and scientists and doctors. Uh, however, a neurologist out of UCLA who's just been in the lab for 27 years uh-huh. trying to research and figure out cures for Alzheimer's and dementia. He has come upon a program that has been able, he's been able to show reverses um, cognitive decline and reverses um, memory problems in folks who are headed towards Alzheimer's in 9 out of 10 patients that he did this small study for. Six had to quit working uh-huh. and they were able to go back to work. Wow. And so we've teamed up with him uh, as part of the Amen Clinics. We use SPECT imaging to assess the brain and then use these types of functional protocols to help improve folks with Alzheimer's. And especially early on, if there's signs of memory problems, uh, that's when you want to address it and tackle it. Yeah, and, and everything else, when I talk with experts in all arenas, when it comes towards uh, with, with money, uh, state planning, your CPA, and you know everything that you do, procrastination is something common when it comes to finances. And I think procrastination comes with anything that can mm-hmm. be um, a, a fearful thing or something that you're trying to avoid or pretend mm-hmm. that it's not there. And I would imagine that when it comes to uh, things with our brain and keeping it healthy, not procrastinating, doing exercises and things that can help mm-hmm. strengthen that yes. would be a high benefit. The more proactive you can be, the better, especially with Alzheimer's, the earlier you, you do something, then we can turn that ship. It's like a Titanic. Mm-hmm. It's going, um, uh, you know, you can do things like exercise, diet, nutrition. You get a lot of mileage out of those uh, lifestyle changes before you have to go to psychiatric medications Got and it. things that sometimes even aren't that helpful in Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. So what sort of financial investment is there in the early diagnosis of Alzheimer's? You know, the Genworth Financial uh, Survey shows that um, you can save about a million dollars over 10 years Um now, that's based on the um, cost of care in assisted living. So if, if you have a late diagnosis, you're going to pay more. Uh, so it's about 500000 if you get an earlier diagnosis with assisted 
care, but I would like to see you know folks get assessed way before that. Uh, with SPECT imaging, you can detect changes five to nine years before symptoms even begin to occur. So you wow. start having memory problems. That's a concern you want to check out with your doctor. Yes. You want to get it assessed. So. so what can you do to protect your brain as you age, ultimately, hopefully mm-hmm. protecting from Alzheimer's? Yeah. What we've seen is the things that we know we should be doing. We should be exercising, getting eight hour, seven and a half to eight hours of sleep every night, uh, checking your important numbers, especially blood sugar. Type 3 diabetes is what it's called, is insulin resistance in the brain. Uh-huh. And so checking that and controlling that, sometimes doing like intermittent fasting, where you stop eating after 7, you don't eat till 7 a.m. the next morning. It's uh-huh. not like fasting for days, it's just throughout the night, 12 hours with no food, resets the insulin receptors. Um, doing things like um, brain games. Uh-huh. So, you know, we think about exercise for the body. You want to exercise the brain as well. It doesn't have to be uh, Lumosity or My Brain Fit Life is another good one. Um, you can play cards. You can challenge yourself, try to remember that grocery list uh-huh. and hold things in mind. And and, and um, I think this is something that eventually we're all going to be into is, is uh Brain exercise. So kind of like you talked about fitness. I mean, we all know that we need to work out to stay fit. We're watching what we're eating um, Mm -hmm. to keep healthy. Same thing with our brains. So if I'm hearing you correctly, I mean, if hopefully it'll be more common that um, anybody that even might not think that they're at risk of Alzheimer or some type of um, Mm -hmm. uh, brain issue in in just getting having a healthy brain, which is ultimately going to help you be smarter, be um, which is going to help us in everything we do with our finances. Yes. Yes. So, uh, Dr. Chapter, what can you do if you suspect that one of your loved ones has some memory problems? Mm-hmm. You want to uh, tell them that there's there's hope, that, that we don't want to ignore that. We want to uh-huh. address it. And it may it may be something that we can improve. And so you want to, you know, have them come to the Amen clinics for assessment or see their local doctor. Uh Um, And they can do an in-office examination, a brief uh, test, many mental status exam. There's MOCA. There's all these different tests that can be done and it can detect early signs and then know that there are things that that they can do. Okay. And how does, what is your uh, website at Amen Clinic? What's uh, the best way to reach w- out to you? com, and we're at Amen okay. Clinics Northwest in, okay. in Bellevue. Okay. So if you're listening to the show right now, you can always go to the Money, uh, the Money Hour uh, site as well to uh, get connected with uh, Dr. Chapnick and the uh, Amen Clinic. Uh, but just going in and, and um, getting a, a finding out where mm-hmm. you're at and things that you can do to... Uh, train your brain and to get it to maximize um, mm-hmm. what it can do for us. Yes. So what are some simple ways that you can improve um, memory and keep sharp in your age? I mean, I know for myself in, you know, memorizing names sometimes can mm. be um, challenging. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know that there's exercises and things that I should be doing uh, as well. So what are some of those simple uh, techniques that you can share? I'd say that being sure to um, keep your stress levels low and exercise, and the way to do that is exercise. You flush okay. out those stress hormones. Mm-hmm. You make sure your blood sugar is balanced by having protein at each meal and having healthy fats at each meal, avocados, coconut oil, things like this. So if you have a healthy physiology, you're set up to have a better memory yeah. and better focus. That's especially true for focus. Um, and then um, um, there are supplements that can be taken, actually, that can help with memory. One okay. is called 
phosphatidylserine. It's a mouthful. I was going to say that's a mouthful. <laughs> I won't repeat it. <laughs> PS for short. Uh-huh. And it's part of cell membranes and it has been shown to help with memory in several studies at 300 milligrams. So um, there are a number of supplements. Fish oil, very helpful for yes. focus, for mood. I've heard that. Decreases brain inflammation. Mm-hmm. So the work of Dr. Del Bredesen has shown that what you need to do is look at all of these factors and put them together. So it's not just one thing, but all of the research that's been done, if we put all of these pieces together, that's where we see improvement for brain function, for ADD, for depression, for Alzheimer's. So I've got a minute and I've got to take us to a uh, break, a call to action for anybody that's listening to the show right now. What should they be doing? You can change your brain. You can make it better today. You don't have to wait. Yeah. Um, and so I would encourage you to um, pick up the phone, call us for help. Or just put on those running shoes and get out and exercise and start doing something for the health of your brain because you'll be happier, wiser, your relationships will be better, and you'll have better um, success in work and school. Dr. Chapdick, thank you so much for uh, coming back in studio and um, look forward to having you back again soon. It's my pleasure to be here. And signing off for the day, this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. Enjoy your Sunday and the rest of your weekend. I look forward to being here same time. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.